What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about some damn good beef. And you guys know we've told you about the damn good beer of Breckenridge Brewery. And so it's so good that we brought it to the DNVR bar. Well, we're doing the exact same thing with Hassle Cattle Company. Their beef is so damn good that you can now get the delicious Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. We couldn't resist putting this in the bar. And now you can come build your ideal burger with Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef and all of the toppings you want over at the DNVR bar. And if you're not able to stop by, well, make sure to order some Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef straight to your door because Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas and they ship straight to your door. And they call their beef the blue collar Wagyu because it's the best damn beef that everyone can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers, of course, and two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. So make sure to go to their website, HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com and use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. And any order over $200, you get free shipping. So get over $200, use that promo code DNVR10 and you'll get 10% off and free shipping over at Hassle Cattle Company. Guys, you won't regret it. Everyone at DNVR loves Hassle Cattle Company. So make sure to try it out. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach Mace at the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four still waiting for. Well, bring on the chase. Out on the field, mile high, Broncos win is our desire. Couple with brick. Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you about MSU Denver Online, because time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox over at MSU, and you don't have to choose about getting an education or living your life. You can do both. You can make money and further your education over at MSU Denver Online. That's the great thing about them. So make sure to check them out over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Oh, I'm just happy we know the schedule. I'm happy that we can kind of start planning out the next, uh, or, you know, the next several months here. I mean, it, first of all, I don't like waiting until April. I wish the schedule still came out or, or until May. I wish the schedule still came out in April, but that's not going to change. And the, the league timed it for marketing and promotional effect. And you can't argue with that, but uh, I, I, I wish they would have done this a little bit earlier. And also just kind of a, a general point here, the league and, and RK made this point on Twitter, like maybe some of the excitement was diluted because of the fact that everything was dripping out over the course of the day. If the league wants to have its, schedule release shows mean anything other than just confirming what everybody already knows, then what they ought to do is stop kind of leaking it to the teams, leaking it to the networks, this and that, and just literally 
hand the schedule to the people who are on camera doing the schedule release show right as it start to start just like the NCAA tournament does. I feel like uh, if the league, the league's kind of, um, how shall I put this? Uh, they're, they're undermining their own presentation. Does that make any sense? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's very weird. They make a big deal of, of the schedule release and then it's released pretty much by the time the schedule yes. is released. But I had a blast doing our podcast last night. And if you want our instant reactions on that, you can go check out our YouTube where we went live last night at 6 p.m. just after the schedule officially dropped. I think more people tuned into us than the NFL shows out there. Mace. Or of course, in podcast form, we also dropped it as a podcast. And Mace, I, I, how do you feel about the schedule after? After sleeping it on it, sleeping on it for a day, mm, pretty much the same as I did uh, yesterday. In part because you know I didn't really have a chance to sleep on it yesterday, but uh, in kind of all the drips and drips coming out today, I knew what this. I was able to kind of put together the schedule by about three thirty, three forty-five. What it was, there was actually one game that I didn't have, and it was the uh, week seventeen game against the Chargers. But my process of elimination, like, oh well. I don't have that game at LA. That must be week 17 on New Year's weekend. So it kind of what I thought uh, when we talked talked about it on the show, it's the same. I mean, the start is going to be crucial at the same time. It's exactly what the Broncos need at this point. They, they need a chance to get it, to get out of the blocks and, uh, and get some wins under the belt early. I think big Fangio needs that probably most of all. And frankly, uh, if they if they start out one and two, or or God forbid, zero and three, if they're zero and three, I feel like we're we're writing the uh, we're writing the epitaph on the uh, the Fangio era as the head coach of the Broncos. I zero yeah. and three, I don't think they recover from, and and of course this is with the roster as it currently stands. One and two, I think you can kind of make it back, but you gotta you're gonna have to pull off some upsets pretty quickly. Like you could be one and two, but then that Baltimore game probably becomes a must win. Um two and one, three and oh, you're ecstatic. Three and oh, I mean, might uh, get people around here dreaming of some big things. So you know it's it, it's going to come down to the start, and then uh, we didn't go through it win-loss, win-loss, but uh if they are if they're let's say they do get to three and zero, then I think uh, six and four at midseason is easily or at, at the buy, pardon me, is easily attainable, and then you go from there. Like uh, Zach, what, what 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 caught your eye about the schedule? Yeah, it's just how important that start is for everyone, for this team, uh, and, and for Vic Fangio, because it's it's a defensive schedule that, that should really benefit the defense early, playing young quarterbacks, inexperienced quarterbacks. Uh, although two of them are on the road, you should still be able to have your way specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And Mace, th- this extends further than just Vic. This could be huge for whatever quarterback ends up winning the job, if it is Drew versus Teddy. Let's say Drew wins the job and the Broncos start off 0-3 and the defense is playing well against these young quarterbacks and you're still not able to put up, you know, 20 points per game. Well, then the plug plug may be pulled. And opposite, if you start 0-3 with Teddy Bridgewater and he's just guiding the ship, but he's not doing anything to help the team win. And so the team isn't winning. Well, then the team may just say, all right, well, we're 0-3. We 
might as well let Drew get these last 15 games to see if there's anything there before we know we need to go in a different direction after this season. And Mace, like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if the team is 0-4 and they pull the plug right there because George Payton may want to see, okay, do I have anyone on this staff that deserves to be a head coach for this team after this year? Of course, Mike Munchak's one of those names. Maybe you go deeper uh, and, and you look at a Zach Azani, more of an unproven sort of person. George Payton may want to explore that, but also just how key a hot start is being three and one, at least two and two at the minimum in order to survive that next stretch, uh, really the next five games before you kind of get an easy stretch before the bye is going to be so crucial for this team. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I think that would happen if, first of all, if we're talking about 0-3, 0-4, for, we are talking about the current roster. I don't think, I don't think there's any way the team is 0-3 or 0-4 if Aaron Rodgers is here. Let's let's just put that right there. But if the team is at that point, three four games into the season, and yeah, I, I know that may frustrate people, but look, you, you have to you have to take that as a possibility because this team has started slowly the last couple of years. So there are questions. It's no guarantee they get off uh, they get off to a good start. So. You're also talking about there being a, a change in a quarterback, probably preceding a change in the coach if they get off to a, a poor start. I would imagine that they would kind of hit that button to see, okay, do we change it up and will this help out? And uh, that certainly wouldn't say very much for the competition that would have happened over the summer, of course, uh, uh, as some people point out. If uh, you have, you know, everyone says, hey, we're going to embrace the competition. You hear that from Bridgewater. You you hear excitement about the competition from uh, George Payton and Vic Fangio. When is a team happy with its quarterback position going into a season that had a competition? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, there is that there is that saying, Mason, I hate to say it, but some people say if you if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And some people view the Broncos quarterback competition as that. And maybe even, you know, the Broncos because of, of what they've tried to do to significantly upgrade that position. Now, the, the one counter to that is, well, the Broncos had an opportunity to use a top 10 pick on two quarterbacks that ended up being drafted in the first round and they passed on that. So you can convince yourself, well, they were trying to get Matthew Stafford. So, so they're not too fond uh, of Drew Locke. And you can also say, well, they did pass on Justin Fields and Mac Jones in order to have this competition. Yeah, you, you can say you can say that. And um, huh, you can also you can also say that uh, you look at this year, if you're George Payton and say, all right, um, we, I like Vic Fascio. I like what he can do. But let's face it, if this team comes in and has an underwhelming season, uh, did you want, do you want this coaching staff choosing a young quarterback, or would you rather have that responsibility belonging to a staff next year, a staff that uh, would be starting out? And Because, uh, like, talk, think about with Justin Fields, for example. There's a decent shot that Justin Fields a year from now is going to have to learn a new offense, new scheme, new coaches in Chicago. And does that really help his uh, his progress? I mean, uh, Drew Locks had to struggle with some things, but at least uh, at least Drew to this point, he had to learn a new point of emphasis on offense, but not really a new scheme because the West Coast nomenclature is used by both Pat Shermer and Scangarello, and he hasn't had to learn uh, the ins and outs and uh, and ways of a new head coach yet. So the Bronco they've had consistency. Uh, 
relative consistency compared to some other teams. They haven't completely changed everything uh, about the off about the offense, uh, and that's something that a young quarterback like Fields might want might have to absorb. And does that really help him out? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a good question. And uh, Mace, man, I'm just so pumped that yeah. we finally have the schedule in the middle of May, just like you said. And yesterday, I mean, once when the leaks were coming out, there was also some other Broncos news. Broncos have officially signed two tackles. One, Ryan Pope, who's really more of a, a practice squad, maybe, maybe a back end of the roster type of guy, although he did although he was in green Bay last year, didn't actually play. So this isn't like a, a move projecting the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers. but they made a bigger move with right with Bobby Massey yesterday, just before the schedule was released, the Broncos signed Bobby Massey to a one year, $4 million deal. And this came just hours after he tried out for the team as well uh, as Dennis Kelly and Cameron, um, and who else was the Fleming. other guy? Mason? Cameron, Cameron, Cameron Fleming. Fleming. Yes. Yes. I already forgot because the Broncos didn't even sign him. So he, Bobby Massey wins the competition. What is Bobby Massey bringing to the Broncos Mace? Well, the funny thing is you talked about some of those other guys, you talk about Dennis Kelly and Cameron Fleming in particular, those with the exception of last, last year, those guys, most of their careers has been, have been spent as swing backups. Bobby Massey is a career starter. And so I think that is an important distinction to have as you evaluate what you expect from the guy that you're bringing in. Bobby, Ma Bobby Massey's not coming in to back up. Bobby Massey's coming in to start. Now that being, that being said, I think you have to have reasonable expectations for him at this point in his, in his career. I mean, you are talking, you are talking about somebody who is going into year 10. He, you are talking about a guy who uh, the last couple of years has missed 14 games as well. Now he started every game that he's played, but age is catching up to him a little bit. He's not, he, he's not quite the player uh, that, that he was a few years ago. That's okay though. That That's actually okay. You're not, you're not paying him for what he was. You're paying him for what and who he is right now. You're paying him. Uh, basically, it's going to be DeMar Dotson 2.0. You're paying him to be a, a one-year solution before. And yes, I know it's been a long-term kind of spin the carousel a little bit more. But you're paying him to be a one-year solution. Uh, and maybe it's something that you get, you get a little more right uh, going into the future. And you're also paying. The other thing with Bobby Massey is, he hasn't. He's shown the sign of decline in terms of his health. He hasn't shown the sh the sign of decline in terms of his performance. He's he's really playing at about the same level that he's played his entire career. So even though he's going into year ten, Zach, it's not a guy whose performance is in decline at this point. Yeah, and he'll be 32 once the season starts. And Mace, like you said, when he plays, he's an average tackle. And you know what? An average tackle. That's what DeMar Dotson was last year. And I think all of us were so happy to see an average tackle be out there at right tackle. The thing that just makes me scratch my head mm -hmm. a little bit about this, Mace, is the availability part. I mean, availability is more important than ability. The Broncos have found that out the very tough way at right tackle, specifically over the past couple 
of years with Juwan James and some other guys they've signed. So signing an injured player to replace a guy that has been injured and you haven't been able to count on just to me, a tiny bit head scratching there, because like you said, he missed eight games last year uh, with a knee injury, wasn't able to come back, thought that maybe he was going to be able to come back, wasn't able to make it back by the end of the season. That injury I imagine is fully healed now, but it does just make you question, okay, how much is he going to be able to stay healthy? So you mentioned DeMar Dotson, Mace, that may be a guy that you want to sign as well to have as his back up for you know two million dollars and then i'm feeling great about the position then you have two average tackles there one of them can step in if the other one gets hurt uh or mace this also tells me that maybe the broncos do have some confidence in calvin anderson obviously if they had a ton of confidence in calvin anderson then they would have just truly signed a backup and calvin anderson would have been the starter but no this move says that bobby massey is going to be the starter at four million dollars you bring in a guy that's been a starter throughout his entire career but this tells me that unless they make another move at right tackle mace that they truly believe that if and when calvin anderson is called upon that they like him and they believe in him they just don't want to go 16 games with him right now yep i muted myself and the other interesting thing with anderson as well is uh right now yeah massey's in there but uh, anderson's the primary backup so basically he's He's legitimately one play away at, at left tackle, one play away at right tackle. Now, Bowles, uh, until, until he got a little bit sick late last year for a game, Bowles has been a hoss over there at left tackle. He's been reliable, at least in terms of the fact that he has played. He wasn't reliable in terms of his form the first, say, two and a half years, and that's that's changed. But Anderson's still one play away, and if if you weren't confident in him, if he had to play for a long stretch, um, you would bring in some somebody else. Now, Ryan Pope, he's not a somebody else, okay? he's some he, he hasn't played a regular season snap. Ryan Pope, frankly, is a little bit like Calvin Anderson when you brought him in. Somebody that mm-hmm. you probably had, that you had scouted, you liked, he's available. Uh, looking for some depth, let's bring him in and, and see where he goes. That that's that's what that's what Ryan Pope is, and it's possible that Pope could beat out Calvin Anderson and be the, the swing backup uh, at both tackle spots. But uh, I'd say he has a little bit of a ways to go, and I'd probably say that Anderson may still be the horse to bet on there because it seems like one thing that we're seeing on the offensive line is they want to have like a steady back, a couple of steady backups who have been in for a couple of years and know what they're doing. Like uh, even with, uh, even with all the moves made on the interior, I still, I still wouldn't be surprised to Austin Schlopman make the team this year because mm. he's rely He's re- he's a reliable reserve on the interior, whether he develops may I, or whether he makes a team actually may depend though on how Natani Moody develops, Like it has Moody come along to where he can be a good swing backup and that, and then he might replace, Schlotman, but Muti would then have some experience that done so having started uh, for a game late last year. So I get the sense that they want to have somebody in reserve who knows what they're doing. And, and, you know, Anderson kind of fits that bill. And if he develops into something more great, but he knows what he's doing, he, he's going to backstop both Massey and Bowles and, uh, and the odds are the Broncos are going to have to turn to him for, for a few games. So if they don't sign anybody else, I'd say 
it's it's not a vote in huge com- of huge confidence in Anderson because they're not trusting him to be the starter, but it's a vote of confidence in him, in him as a swing backup. Yeah, and and I would think that th- this is the the biggest move that's going to be made. I don't expect mm-hmm. them to bring in another four million dollar guy to have him be a, a, a you know a, a high paid backup swing tackle. I imagine it will be Calvin Anderson and Mace. What Bobby Massey can do this year is he can get himself uh, a semi long term contract with the Broncos, and I think the most important thing for him is just to stay healthy. If he stays healthy for sixteen games and plays average. I don't think the Broncos are going to walk away from him. I think they'll sign him up for another year, two, three, potentially. If it's three years, probably only two or one and a half guaranteed. Uh, The Bears signed him up in 2019 and moved on from him this year just after two years of that contract. So the Broncos may be wary of that, especially with his recent injuries. But Mace, if the Broncos, let's say Bobby Massey only plays eight, ten games like he has the past two years. I have to imagine that that all of the struggles at right tackle will finally catch up to them in the draft. And they'll say, we got to use a high pick in the draft on a right tackle, regardless of who the quarterback is. Now, obviously, if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round next year, you're probably not using a first round pick on a on a right tackle. But a second round pick, I mean, you got to bring someone in, even if Bobby Massey is the guy for next year, you sign him up for another year or two. I really would think that the Broncos would still use a day two pick on a right tackle because it's about time for that. Probably higher than that. Uh, maybe even uh, perhaps. And I would say that I'm sorry. You said day two, for some reason, I thought you said day three, my bad. Um, because if you have a quarter, if you have quarterback solving a first round pick, then I think you could see a day one pick. I think that'd be a first rounder. So, Let's yeah. say you're living in the universe where Drew Locke takes the next step and becomes the guy that he that 31 percent odds of him becoming a viable long term starter based on his form to date uh, cash in. And so he, at that point, then you have the freedom to go ahead and take a right tackle. Otherwise, I think you're right. It's going to be uh, it's going to be day two and that's going to be the highest you're going to be able to do it. But in, in a universe where you you draft Aaron Rodgers this year. I would say there's a very or not draft, but trade for Aaron Rodgers. You can tell I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit punchy today. I apologize. <laughs> you trade for Aaron Rodgers, and maybe you have to sacrifice your first two picks or two of your first three picks. I would bet a decent amount of money then that the first pick next year would be right tackle, mm, even yep. before edge rusher. And the reason why I would say that is, I think if Aaron Rodgers is a Bronco. They not only if they don't have to trade Bradley Chubb as part of a package to get Aaron Rodgers, I think both Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb are back. Chubb, of course, on the fifth year option, and Vaughn, I think, uh, signs. I think Vaughn signs a deal that uh, will keep him around, maybe at below market value. And so that and that would give them the freedom to go right tackle early based on kind of the overall roster construction. If they don't have Miller or Chubb and it's one of those two who remains and Malik Reed is a starter, Malik Reed could develop. But I would kind of keep it in the back of my mind. The Broncos may make an edge rush for the first pick next year in this Aaron Rodgers environment. But if they hang on to all those edge rushers, then I think right tackle will be the first the first position they take next year. Again, assuming Rodgers is the quarterback. 
finally, finally taken an offensive tackle in the draft because they have not done that in the Mike Munchak era. I mean, Mace, when you look at the Broncos depth chart, it's not crazy to say that the undrafted free agent offensive tackle that they brought in this year may sneak onto the roster before this Bobby Massey signing. So that's just where the depth is at is uh, who knows what they think of Calvin Anderson. We we think that they, they view him highly enough to be the swing tackle this year, but you've invested so much on the offensive line. You might as well fill a pretty big hole at right tackle with an investment. And the Broncos have tried to go the investment route with paying guys that hasn't worked time and time and time and time again. I think this Bobby Massey is one final bandaid on the right tackle before the Broncos draft someone. And even if Bobby Massey proves that he he's, he can stay healthy this year, being 32 years old this year, being 33 next year, I think it'd only be a one year deal, maybe two years deal for him so I still think the Broncos would draft someone but now the big question of who are the Broncos going to have a right tackle this year is done this move also Mace it it pretty much solidifies that uh, Dalton Reisner is not going to be tried at right tackle he's going to stay at left guard and Bobby Massey will be a right tackle yeah and I I, I agree with that and uh... If you're going to move Dalton Reisner, maybe that's something that you think about as a long-term plan. But uh, it would have been an interesting thing to pivot on Dalton Reisner now. Yeah, you obviously got OTAs and training camp uh, to, to figure to figure it out. But uh, Reisner's been thinking for the last four months in terms of being uh, being a guard. So I think that this is the move that probably causes uh, that causes the least problems, and also. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel good about the state of the offensive line. Uh, quite frankly, you look at those five at those five spots up front, and like you said earlier, Bobby Massey's average. Don't expect him to be a Pro Bowler. That's not him. He he's an average starter. His you know his his per snap form is about the same as it as it has been. It's not like uh, it, he fell off a cliff, and that's okay. I mean, frankly. If you put Bobby Massey's resume uh, as of right now in 2016 or 2017, and you'd said, okay, Massey or Stevenson, or in 2017, Massey or Menelik Watson, I would have said you'd be fools not to sign Bobby Massey. And I'm talking about Bobby yeah. Massey, where he is right now going into year 10. Uh, of course, back then he was in his prime uh, heading into uh, heading into year, years five and six of his career. Um or four and five of his career, or five and six of his career, my bad. So I, I think about what the Broncos have tried at right tackle over the years. Um, I feel pretty good about, about this. Again, the only, the only concern is, is injury, but we're not talking about Jawan James, who's missing significant time every other year, even when he's young. We're talking about a guy who's heading, who's, you know, he's going to be 32 years old during training camp and uh, it's catching up to him. And, you're, I mean, you're basically hope. I would say you're kind of hoping for 12 games, 12 games mm-hmm. out of Bobby Massey that yep. he misses a quarter of the season. You're kind of hoping basically for the, the tip, the type of year he got from Jared Valdir back in 2018. And right. that was actually, you look back at, at the last few years at right tackle Zach and uh, the best play go. I mean, probably going all the way back to uh, going all the way back to, to the time, uh, after they moved Orlando Franklin inside. So I'd say since 2014 onward, the best you've felt about the right tackle position 
has been with, frankly, the stable veterans who were brought in as stopgaps. When Valdir was playing right tackle, when DeMar Dotson was playing right tackle, and here you have Bobby Massey doing it. I know it's not what everyone wants. Everyone wants a longer-term solution, but uh, I think this is a a better solution than, for example, they thought Donald Stevenson and Menelik Watson were. I think it's a better solution than, I believe it was in 2014 when you were trying Chris Clark and then Paul Cornick, and then finally you moved Louis Vasquez out there. It's a better solution than uh, Michael Schofield proved to be, although – with Schofield, there's a dra- there was a day two pick who didn't quite work out, even though he's had a serviceable career at guard. So uh, it's another reminder that a day two pick isn't a guarantee. Yeah, you're exactly right, Mace. And here's the encouraging news for the Broncos and hoping that Bobby Massey starts trending the other way because if he played 12 games, that would be him trending in the right direction because two years ago, only 10 games. Last year, only eight games. But here's the encouraging thing. He has not been an injury-prone player throughout his entire career. From 2014 to 2018, he played in 76 and started 76 of the 80 potential games uh, with a combination of Arizona and Chicago so that right there is encouraging if he can bounce back to there then only four million dollars for a starting right tackle even if it's only 12 games you'd feel great about Mace I think those are some realistic expectations yeah and another thing I think you feel good about is that he's a relatively low mistake player when it comes to penalties over the course of his career Zach can you take a guess for me as to how many holding penalties Bobby Massey has been called for in uh, in the last uh, in the last five years? Oh boy, I'm gonna say ten to a year. Five, wow. one a year, one wow. holding penalty a year, and total number of penalties over the last five years is eighteen. Only eighteen penalties in the last five years for Bobby Massey and, Wait, and so his, how, it, Mace, how is that different than the five uh total penalties that includes false starts that includes oh, total penalties right that's that's everything that's other penalties but holding I know is what everyone focuses on one holding penalty last year one holding penalty in 2019 no holding penalties in 2018 two and 17 one and 16 so if you want to kind of distill it down further Zach only two holding penalties for Bobby Massey in the last three years. And that is a period that includes just that includes just over 2,200 snaps. Wow. Two holding penalties in just over 2,200 snaps. So that's the, what you're getting is a guy who, when he's, if, if he's beat a little bit, he's, he can, he can recover and he's not going to do something. that's going to, make it worse for you. And right. that's something that I think is key. And I, it, frankly, I think it's key to the Broncos overall thinking in terms of what kind of team they're, they're looking to put together this year. They want a team that minimizes self-inflicted wounds. Right. And it's a reason why you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater competing at quarterback. If you can't get Aaron Rodgers, Teddy Bridgewater is a low mistake quarterback. Bobby Massey in terms of penalties is a low mis- and mental errors. He's a low mistake tackle. So that's on offense. 
that feels like kind of a theme here. And also when you talk about some of the stuff that, uh, that other executives around the league are noting how uh, it's a team, the Broncos want on offense, they're going to want to beat you with the running game combined with a, a pass defense. I know that was something that was pointed out in Mike Sando's article at the athletic uh, several days ago. It's pointing to, it's pointing to an overall scenario, Zach, that if Drew Locke can't cut the mistakes, it doesn't, necessarily favor him winning the job because it feels like they're trying to just cut down mistakes all across the board on offense a big part of that if we're going to hear that going into OTAs is getting KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy to drop fewer passes fewer self-inflicted mistakes start if you're going to win you're going to have to start off by not beating yourself and Bobby Massey fits that to a T he does not beat himself or his, his team with his own miscues and Mace, I mean, it's not a surprise with the defensive head coach that wants to win on defense and ball control. That's what the Broncos are built on. And that's what George Payton's gone all in on this year is going behind Vic Fangio on that solution for him in order to give him the best chance to succeed. George Payton's given him everything that he wants from all the defensive players to a top pick in the draft on defense to not going rookie quarterback to bringing in a guy that is going to be safe with the football and a safe choice so I mean that that's exactly the Broncos formula and just like you said Mace Bobby Massey fits that perfectly exactly and of course Vic Fangio having coached him having been a coach in Chicago not coaching him because he was defensive coordinator then but having seen him in practice he knows this and so this you know certainly that probably gave Massey a leg up in the competition was the familiarity that Fangio had with had with him going back to Chicago um uh, probably to to a lesser degree, but still there. Also, uh, Zach Azani and Curtis uh, Modkins, who were on that, who were on the Bears staff uh, when Massey started off with Chicago, they know they know what kind of player he is, and they know what kind of relatively low mistake guy he is. And uh, probably, uh, in retrospect, should have known that uh, he was the fa- favorite going in. If if you know, we kind of you know we kind of got it in the weeds a little bit, but uh, now kind of diving into Massey. And and diving into and diving into his form over the years, it's clear to me, uh, just from the data alone, why the Broncos saw him as a fit. Yeah, you're exactly right. And Mace got some breaking news right now. I did not think it would ever happen, but here we are. Manscaped has made an even better lawnmower. They just upped their lawnmower 3.0 to a lawnmower 4.0. Guys, I said for years I did not think that Manscaped was going to be able to make a better razor, and they did. It is the lawnmower 4.0, which is now available for purchase in the United States and Canada. And guys, this was just released, and over 2 million men worldwide have trusted Manscaped, and you can trust Manscaped with using the promo code DNVR, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. So let me tell you about this new Lawnmower 4.0. It's a ceramic blade and skin safe technology. So it will keep you just as safe as you could ever imagine. And it has a multifunction on off switch, which is new that can engage a travel lock. So it's great for people who like to travel. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn on and off the LED spotlight when you need to get the most precise shave possible. And it has different trimmers trimmer lengths and guards sizes one to four and it's sleek guys get this it has a two-tone matte and gloss finish that features a hot foil stamped black chrome manscaped logo i mean we're talking about a razor that has that it is incredible and guys to top it all off 
It has wireless charging. The wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. So they really upped it here. Make sure to check out Manscaped. Use the code DNVR to get 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. Also, make sure that you check out our good friends of a DN- of DNVR over at Strava Craft Coffee. And you know how much we love you, our loyal listeners. We appreciate you so very much. But when it comes to Strava Craft Coffee, you've been letting us down lately. And Strava is our longest and most loyal partner to date. It hasn't really felt the love. So we need to change that. And they're offering this to help change that. That code DNVR20, it's been good. Save 20%. They're kicking it up a notch in the parlance of the Mandelbaums from Seinfeld that you can save 25% now using the magical code DNVR25. So forget about DNVR20. Remember the code DNVR25. Not only do we love what Strava tastes like, and a lot of people on our staff pretty much run off of coffee, but it's also CBD infused, which helps you with so many ailments. And CBD can help something different for everyone. For me, it's cluster headaches that it helps uh, that CBD products help out with. So check out the reviews of Strava Craft Coffee. You'll be blown away with people's stories about how Strava has helped them. They deliver straight to your door. And also we talked about the, that, about the 25% off code for, for one time only. But if you want to get 20% off every purchase for life, become a, a subscriber to Strava Craft Coffee. And then you can get that coffee delivered to you every two, four, six, eight weeks, whatever you want. It could be every 26 weeks if you want. Whatever you need, you can subscribe and get 20% off your CBD-infused coffee every time, no matter how long you do it. If you want to try before you commit to Strava long-term, no problem. Come on over to the DNVR bar right there on East Colfax and try some of Strava's incredible cold brew. It's it's the finest of cold brew and it's on tap at the DNVR bar. So make sure you check that out. And again, for that one-time code, it's DNVR25 and get 25% off that CBD infused Strava craft coffee. If you want to subscribe, you get 20% off all products for life. Of course, it's available in so many ways, whole bean, ground, Nespresso pod, K cup. So however you want your coffee, Strava will help take care of you. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. Remember that magical code DNVR25 for 25% off or subscribing at 20% off every order. I've got an awesome day for you guys planned out. So head over to the DNVR bar, get a cup of Strava Craft on tap, and then get a 22-ounce beer for the price of a 16-ounce beer. Get as many of those as you want. Just don't drive home after. And you will only pay for the 16-ounce beer, and you'll get six ounces free when you're a member with us. That is what the member beer is over at DNVR. And, guys, now is the time to sign up and become a member with us because it is playoff season. The Avs schedule was just released. They're either starting on Sunday or Monday for the playoffs, and Nuggets are going to be starting shortly after that. So make sure to get in on the best coverage of Avs and Nuggets playoffs. And of course, we are going to have all of your Broncos news on this podcast and 
covering it on the website as well. So make sure to become a member. Go to thednvr.com, join our family. And when you have an annual mem- membership, you'll get a free DNVR shirt of your choice. Not only is it a super comfortable shirt, but there's awesome graphics and, and awesome t-shirts that you can choose. You also get extra raffle tickets at all of our watch parties. Just make sure to mention that you're a member. You get access to a members-only Discord. You get access to the new DNVR Golf League, which is coming soon. And guys, you get to read all of our content and you get to support us. So please head over to thednvr.com and join our family. And when you do, hop into the comment section and say hi, just like a lot of our friends have. And here's how you leave a comment. Go to thednvr.com at the top of the screen. The third tab over is podcast. Click on that. Then click on Broncos podcast and all of our podcasts ever will pop up. Click on the most recent one that's at the very top. Scroll to the bottom of the page and a comment section will magically appear. That, when you're a member, that is where you can leave your comments to be read on the next day's podcast. And Mace, we kind of had a weird day yesterday doing two pods. So we're going to read both of those and let's start off with your friend, the cat. Yeah. And he actually answered the question that you have about a uh, sandwich. And he says, Zach, to answer your question, I marked the middle of every workday with a homemade sandwich. I'm sorry. I can't say Sando. I'm, I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, I can't do Seltzy. It's a seltzer. I, I, I can't do Seltzy. Hey count. I, yeah. I, I, I can do Sando's. All right. You. I'll do a sandwich. I'm just not going to do a sando. I can only withstand seven hours in a too cold, air-conditioned, windowless office with the promise of my daily creation awaiting me. And when I say middle, I lie. I often don't make it past the end of your live pods before delving into my lunchbox to consume my meaty desire. Whoa, Zach, you are right. A perfect Reuben is the zenith, but hard to find. The key being, I believe, a couple of slices of artisanal dark rye laden with caraway a heaping wealth of fresh kraut, pickled, not canned, and of course, an inch and a half of top-notch pastrami. My fix of late, however, has been a homemade muffaletta-style sandwich, capers, mayo, mustard, olives, pastrami, provolone, and a generous smattering of olive oil-soaked white Spanish anchovies, and don't forget the salt and pepper. I leave it to marinate at room temperature on my desk until it taunts me with its fragrance and wafts notes of fish and brine over to the forlorn letters of my institutional keyboard. The DNVR pod in this daily treat is often my only corporeal joy during the work day. Love the count. Oh man, that sound. Are you doing okay count? I mean, if, if the pod and the sandwich is all you've got to, uh, that, that, that is your joy during the work day, man, I'm, I'm a little concerned about you. I hope you can find, uh, some other joy during your work day besides just, uh, when you have your, your food and you, and you listen to us. So anyway, Hope you're I mean, doing all right. Uh, he's in a windowless office. That sounds pretty depressing, but hey, at oh. least he's got the the nice wafts of uh, some Spanish anchovies floating his way. I mean, count. I'm, uh, you know, anchovies scare me, and you even made that sandwich sound delicious. Oh man, I hope uh, right about now you're probably diving into your sandwich. That sounds mm. amazing, my friend. Thanks. I'll thanks tell you, for the, uh, thanks for yeah. answering my question. The windowless office isn't the worst option, though. I would argue that the uh, the the open office plan where you can't close the where you can't close the door. It's just a cubicle or sometimes uh, a desk just with a with a partition. I guess it's different for everybody. For me, that's the worst office plan whatsoever. Like a windowless office where you can close the door actually sounds just fine to me. 
Oh man, no, that's like my nightmare. That that yeah. that g- give me the cubicle. Although I'm happy that we don't have to do either of those. Mace. I, I I am too because I mean I can tell you in um my last job before DNVR, uh, part of that was spent in the dreaded open office, and it was a night. It was a nightmare because it was too noisy, and I I need to be able to if if I and it does if it's too noisy, I have to put on headphones to kind of drown out the noise. And then it's like, well, uh, you're not really participating in the office. I'm like, well, I'm trying to get my work done here. I can't get the work done with everyone yak, yak, yakking all the time. I mean, you know, it's I, I, I need a space where it can be quiet. I need a space where I can close the door. That's that's one thing I've learned about myself. So I would rather work in a broom closet than or a glorified broom closet, perhaps, than work in an open office. That's, that, oh, an yeah, open maybe. office like my nightmare maybe it's because i've done too many podcasts deep within the broncos headquarters in broom closets where you can't see any daylight that uh mm. that i've had my time with that so anyways yeah. i'm sorry the count that you have to do that <laughs> there's a, there's another thing I, I love the idea of the muffaletta but the an- anchovies zach are you an anchovy guy uh to be honest haven't really ever given them a chance so i can't uh i can't say yes or no to that yeah i had a bad experience with anchovies on pizza when i was eight years old and got sick to the point where i don't think i could even try them today like it was it scarred me wow it was after it was after a, a soccer it was after a soccer game uh the team went out for a pizza you know one of those uh eight-year-old you know pizza parties with a lot of eight-year-olds right and yep. um yeah, I got I got terribly sick and I I couldn't believe that like uh, the the only like one of the only like the options were cheese pizza or anchovy pizza and I'm like I, I look back and I think to myself <laughs> no pepperoni no sausage what was wrong wow. with these people wow you know, were they, yeah. were they, maybe they were pescatarians I don't know but uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, and and it, so cheese and anchovies were the options and there was only one slice of cheese left by the time I got to the pizza and it was this forlorn uh, looking slice. And so I said, okay, fine. I've never had anchovies. I'll try it. And I got sick. Wow. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds like it really haunted you, Mace. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, but I can't, you know how some things like eventually you'll say, okay, I'll try those again. I'll try that again. Right. Every time I think about trying anchovies, in fact, I had a discussion with my wife about this about a week ago. Every time I think about it, I get a little bit ill. No gosh, well, yeah. let's stop thinking about anchovies. All right. All right. <laughs> Next one coming in from maybe the dingo HL baby says, How are you now? I'm not excited about the any Rogers talk. I'm just not. I need a Broncos homegrown quarterback. I want to see Locke take control of this offense in the second year of his system. Everyone in the offense knows where to be now, and there should be comfort in it without much feeling or thinking through their progress or progression. So what does a successful 2021 look like for Drew and the weapons around him? Well, we alluded to it earlier. A successful season really involves making fewer unforced errors. So fewer of his own mistakes. Uh, That's going to start obviously with uh, reducing that interception total. Uh, Also, uh, you want to look at the adjusted completion percentage as well. And that's something that, for example, pro football focus te- keeps very good track of. And the reason why that matters is that takes drops out of the equation. And basically uh, if it's an, in- if it takes drops, it takes throwaways out of the equation. So you're talking basically it's 
what percentage of the throws aren't really catchable for the wide receivers. And that's, that's where Drew Locke came in dead last of the quarterbacks with at least 200, with at least uh, uh, 200 attempts last year um, or 150 attempts, pardon me. And among quarterbacks that had at least a hundred attempts that would have put him third from the bottom ahead of only Joe Flacco ugh, and Jalen hurts. Okay. So start there. Does he, does he have, does he, does he, and that's going to reflect also in the decision-making. Does he make better decisions? Does he, d- does he look, does he find the open receiver? Cause so many times last year, he'd have open receivers and he would just be looking off in another direction and he wouldn't see him. You look at some of the clips from the Atlanta game from exam, for example, you, you can focus on that interception he has in the fourth quarter. And that's a bad play, especially in that situation when you had some momentum, but there are also uh, multiple times where he just misses an open guy that's right there in front of him. And, you know, and that's the kind of thing that you need to see him do better. And are the reports on right on him right now, positive? Yes. But, it's different taking it to the game and taking it to the game, taking it to full speed. He's learning the right things right now in terms of his offseason work, and that's good. But can he make it translate to the game, or is he going to revert back to his his ingrained habits, uh, which are, frankly, taking some unnecessary risks? And this goes back to his time at Mizzou, and that's what I have questions about. Yeah, Maze, it all comes down to decision-making for Drew. We know he has the talent. There's no question about that. Everyone, including when he was coming out of the draft, everyone knew he had the arm strength, he had the needed mobility, uh, and and he had the size to play quarterback in the NFL. This is just all about decision-making. So what is decision-making? Well, it really boils down to turnovers and, you know, touchdown to interception ratio. If you want to put a number on it, Mace, he has to be, at at least two to one. And if you want to feel really good about him, two and a half to one this year, that would mean 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He wouldn't be lighting the world on fire with those numbers, but you would feel really good about the the progression that he took. And then you'd be thinking, okay, if he can just take one more step on this, uh, then next year, then he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. Uh, If he were to get to three to one, everyone's going to be over the moon, but Mace at a bare, bare minimum, he's got to be at two to one. And even then you're either going to be disappointed with the touchdowns, or you're going to be disappointed with how many interceptions there are. Drew Locke led the league in interceptions last year with 15. If he's getting 30 touchdowns at two to one, that also means he's going to have 15 interceptions this year. Let's say he only has 10 interceptions this year. It's going to mean he only has 20 touchdowns. If it really is a true two to one and with 17 games, you're going to be saying, well, that's just over one touchdown per game. So for people to really feel good, it's got to be two and a half to one at least. Plus, you know, so many other things that come into this completion percentage. How's his footwork look? Uh, How consistent is he? How does he bounce back? Uh, from a bad game or a bad play. Uh, And so because last year, Drew just was not consistent at all. So those are the things that we need to see. And to put it into numbers sake, I think it's got to be two to one, if not two and a half to one touchdown to interception ratio. That's a really good point. And then again, how was that two to one look like? And I'd say all two to one does, Zach, is it it, it may buy him one more year. I don't think at that point you're saying, I, I think you're probably going into the 2022 season and saying, all right, uh, can he build off that? Can he develop? I, I think uh, you're not going to be sold because uh, two to one, I mean, really, that's 
that's kind of a that, that's kind of a minimal ticket uh, for entry. Or two to one basically puts you at a point where you can get by with the quarterback, but you're not giving him a long-term deal. And that's the other thing that kind of comes into play because the cost of a quarterback uh, to is going to accelerate as you get into that second contract. And Drew in the next two years has to do enough to where you say, okay, it's not a waste of money to give him 25 or $30 million or more uh, per year. And the one thing that we see in terms of what is the, is the thing that you can't do with your quarterback in terms of the contract that the thing that you can't do, the thing that would mess up your entire equation. And that is to pay big money for at, for an average starting quarterback. At that point, you're better off going back in the draft pool and getting a young guy on a cost, on a cost controlled situation and seeing where he goes. And the fear I have is it's not, I don't have a fear that drew lock doesn't work out. The fear I have is that he does just enough to where you say, okay, let's give him a big contract and see if he can build off this. And you're stuck with a huge deal for average play. That's, that's the thing. If you have a huge deal for elite play, no problem because you're getting elite quarterback form. If you have a cost control deal, great. That's cost control quarterback where teams get in trouble is paying big money for average play. See Andy Dalton, see Joe Flacco. That's the kind of thing that that is actually the scariest outcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I totally agree with you, Mace. Next one coming in from Schweed. Hey, King saw a list of the top ten highest paid athletes, and Dak was number four. Crazy to me. Anyway, it got me thinking: what are NFL franchises more obsessed with, winning a championship or having a quarterback with the potential to win one? I personally believe the latter, mainly because of the same thing we talked about with the draft: its potential. Knowing your team always has a possibility with the quarterback, I think will always rank higher than building up a team, just because it's sexy and makes you relevant. That's one thing that still makes me excited for George Payton. He is more interested in building a championship roster than just being relevant with the quarterback anyways thanks for letting me ramble appreciate it sweet although i think the obsession with winning a championship is why everyone's obsessed with getting a quarterback with the potential to win one because unless you have fired you know have have passed the the uh the eye the the eye of the needle through the camel so to speak um basically or a camel through the eye of the needle. I got that wrong. Unless you've done that, uh, you're not in the championship conversation without someone who's the guy at quarterback. I think that that more and more in today's NFL, that's the that's the price for, price of admission and winning winning it the way the Broncos did with Manning struggling in a great defense, uh, the way the Bucks did back in 02, a uh, great defense, average quarterback play. That's those are the exceptions. The quarterback. Mm-hmm. Having the quarterback is basically the the price of getting into that club. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mace. I'm right there with you. So sweet. I totally know what you're saying. And some teams go to crazy lengths just to get potential at quarterback. But at the end of the day, you do need a quarterback to get you. Maybe a great defense or a great team will take you over the top. Once you get to the super bowl or once you get to the playoffs, but 
I, we've seen the Broncos try to go this route under John Elway since the Super Bowl. They've tried to build the team around a quarterback. And no, you need the quarterback first. I think we've learned that the hard way. But I appreciate you letting us know what, yeah. what you think. And certainly you do have to have more than just a quarterback. You do have to good have pieces around him. But in my opinion, it starts and pretty much ends with who your quarterback is. Now, that being said, the, if you've built a good team, this is why Aaron Rodgers is viable if he's available, if the Packers relent and trade him, because you have put together a pretty good roster. And, so, and you have to give due credit to John Elway for a good chunk of that. And the quality of the roster is why you look at Aaron Rodgers and say, okay, this might require a sacrifice of a significant amount of draft capital, but it's viable because you can plug him in and you should be right there contending for Super Bowls. And so, yep. and so if, if anything, kind of the quality where the roster is, is what makes Aaron Rodgers a more a reasonable choice here. Because then you say, okay, we put together a talented roster. We're going to focus on doing everything we can to resign as many as possible. The other thing is from George Payton's perspective, in his time with the Vikings, he's seen he's had a good roster. He's also rarely had rarely, at least since Brett Favre's retirement, had a more than average quarterback play. And, you know, he got a he got a miraculous season out of Case Keenum in 17, but uh, that that was certainly an anomaly. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been statistically good, but hasn't really risen his game uh, up when it really matters. He hasn't kind of gone to another level. And so I hope that the Broncos aren't putting themselves in a position where the rest of the roster really has a lot of talent, but quarterback is kind of holding you back because you could say that's kind of the story of the Minnesota Vikings in the last decade. And that's, I would, I would think that that's something that George Payton wants to avoid because the, the Vikings, while they're always, they always seem to be in the conversation Four playoffs in the last 10 years, post Favre, only two division titles that's not really what you'd call successful especially with the team that like you said mace has the team has been built pretty darn well i know they've had some offensive line issues recently over or, or over the past decade with minnesota but outside of that they've had some really good pieces it's just that quarterback playing mace that's why they got a desperate without a doubt and went and paid kirk cousins the most guaranteed money a quarterback has ever been paid to get good quarterback right play. they didn't they didn't get great quarterback play they and that's that's kind of been their downfall is they haven't had the quarterback and right and that's sort of what we talked about earlier right that's the waste of money that's paying elite money for a guy who is an elite and that and that's something and that's the situation that you want to uh that you want to avoid so um i'm always fascinated to see what people learn from their previous stops and uh i hope if i were george payton and again, I don't want to kind of put myself in issues, but if I were him looking back at the last 10 years of the Vikings, how often with the Vikings, Zach, we, we seem like we're talking about, oh, they've got like a talented D, D lineman. They've got a great safety. They've got a good corner. They've got good linebackers. But the quarterback's kind of the thing that's, you know, that, that's holding them back a little bit. So I hope that he looks back at his Viking tenure and says, I don't want to repeat this. And to me, if Aaron Rodgers is, is available, that means you go get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, without a so, doubt. No, there yeah. is no question All about right. that. I want to tell you about 
Solace Meds, a new partner, a premier dispensary for you guys with smoking hot deals to offer. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one up over in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and then one on East Colfax, just blocks away from the DNVR bar. They've got some real good deals this month, including 20% off all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off Mile High Extractions, 20% off CBN Gummies, two for $25 off Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars, 15% off any three grams of Conistor Concentrates, and buy three, get one free for the entire store. And also, all of these deals you can take advantage of and get the magic, get 20% off with the magical code DNVR20 at checkout. So here's what you do. Go to solacemeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com, and purchase what you want. Use that code DNVR20 to get 20% off. And then when you make your order, they'll ask you, where do you want to pick it up? You go to your local location, whether it's in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, or one of the two Denver spots, put that in, and then Go over and pick it up at your convenience. It couldn't be easier. When you make that purchase, make sure you use that code, the of 20 for 20% off. And of course, that way, if you use that code, they know that we sanction. Of course, there's no better way to support DMVR than by supporting our partners. So get online and purchase or head on, on over to one of their four locations and get the best customers and 20% off your purchase. So remember that code, DMVR20 at checkout. For 20% off your entire purchase every time. So check out solacemeds.com, S O L A C E meds.com, and make your purchase and get some of those, uh, some of those cannabis products and then they'll take care of you. And make sure to check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental, guys. They are essentially part of our family now because we go to them over at their family practice. They come to us over at the DNVR. They're part of our family, and we're part of their family. And that's why you should trust them with your teeth. So if you need a dentist or want to try something new, go check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Not only are they part of our family, but guys, they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. So you can talk some sports or, I guess, have them talk sports too. To you while they're cleaning your teeth and they treat you like family. If you have any procedure done, the dentist will personally follow up with you a couple of days after to make sure you're doing all right. And just like a good family member, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, they'll give you a gift. And that gift is the best toothbrush out there. They'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam over at Green Mountain Dental. They're only a 15 minute drive from downtown Denver and they're a long time DNVR partner partner. And you guys know that showing them the love is showing us the love. So please make sure to check them out. Whether you want to switch dentists, you need a new one, you just moved here, or you just want to support us. Make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental and schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and get that free Sonicare toothbrush. Make sure you check out our friends over at Gabby Insurance because you know what? You deserve better. We all deserve better when it comes to car and home insurance. And lots of members and staff at DMVR have put their policy at the test with Gabby and saved hundreds of dollars. Eric Weedham, known as D-Line Co., saved over $1,300. And how was he able to do that? He was able to go, he went to Gabby.com and got a better insurance. And Gabby, G-A-B-I, literally stands for Get a Better Insurance. And that means getting a better price for the same coverage. Gabby is the one true comparison platform with real rates. We'll give you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, including big names like Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers, all in one place. Here's what you do. Use your current 
insurance information to get started. In just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. It's free to use. It takes minutes to do. And guess what? They're not going to sell your information. So you don't have to worry about spam. You don't have to worry about ro robocalls. You put your info in. It's not going to come back and bite you in the you-know-what. And, and Gabby customers will save $961 per year on average. So look, you might find out that you're already paying the lowest possible price for insurance. And if that's the case, sleep well at night knowing that you're getting the best rate on insurance. But maybe you're going to find out that there's a better plan out there, a better insurance for you for, for car and home insurance. And that's where Gabby can help you out. So put your policy to the test like plenty of people did at DNVR. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's free to check out. And there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DNVR. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash DNVR. Love it, Mace. Let's jump back into the comment section. Next one coming in from our guy, Free Philip Lindsay. Now that we know the Broncos have an easy schedule, especially because they get to face some rookie quarterbacks really early, do you guys feel the need to update your win-loss projections for the team? With Rodgers, I say we should get 13 or 14 wins. With Locker Bridgewater, I think at worst there should be nine wins, probably 10. Finally, did I didn't see the serial draft poll on DNVR Broncos or DNVR Sports on Twitter, and I didn't see it shared by you guys. Did I miss it? No, Free Philip Lindsay. You didn't. Ryan got a little nervous nervous that he was going to lose to me again so he didn't put it up we'll make sure to uh to get at least tomorrow's up if not get this one up as well and mace we are actually this is going to be a big point of the three ring circus tomorrow is going through the schedule given our updated win loss projections with rogers without rogers so make sure to stay tuned for that but mace I, there's one thing that i want to touch on with what he said he says at worst, there should be nine wins, probably 10 with Locke or Bridgewater. That kind of caught my eye. Yeah, and there are people who feel that way. I did a poll last night asking uh, uh, what um, what they thought the Broncos would do. And it's interesting that the, the top two choices were uh, six were the options that were six or seven wins or eight or nine wins. But there were some who said, yeah, I think this team wins 10 easily. Uh, or some said, someone said, I think seven is the floor. And I'm like, seven is the floor? What's been going on the last four years? Seven's <laughs> been the ceiling of this team the last four years. So uh, I'm sorry, oh don't gosh. give me this seven is the floor stuff when they have to prove that they can win more than seven games to begin with. So, I, I mean, really, I think... Uh, the floor remains kind of what we've seen the last four years. Things go wrong. Things go askew. The floor is probably uh, five wins, kind of like we, we, we saw it last year. We saw in, in 2017. And then the ceiling, again, I think the ceiling, we'll, we'll talk about with Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers. I, I do think that the ceiling with, uh, with Bridgewater or Locke is probably 11 wins if everything goes right. And I would also say this, Zach, as we get into it tomorrow, I think there are three levels. I think there's a, a Rogers level, a lock level and a Bridgewater level in terms of what I would expect in terms of wins. Mm, I love that. I love that Mace. And here I do really like that the Broncos are playing these rookie quarterbacks, especially the top two picks in the draft early in the season. But 
I'm very intrigued with how those quarterbacks are going to be. I don't think those are easy wins for the Broncos. Now, I'm not saying they're not wins. I don't think they're easy wins because, Mace, what have we talked about specifically when we talk about Drew Locke uh, and and rookie quarterbacks uh, as of recent? This is the best time in the NFL that rookie quarterbacks have ever had at having success. Again, I like that the Broncos are playing these guys early in the year when maybe they don't have things figured out, but I wouldn't be shocked if early in the year, maybe it's not against the Broncos, but Trevor Lawrence goes for 300 yards, three touchdowns that Zach Wilson has a similar performance. Now it shouldn't be against the Broncos because of Vic Fangio in this defense, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys has one of those type of performances in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Um, I mean, frankly, uh, the part of the reason I have optimism about the start of the season, no matter who the quarterback is, is uh, is Vic Fangio and that defense getting the second or third start for Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson rather than the first start. Frankly, Zach, if it had been the Jaguars in Week One, Trevor Lawrence kind of coming out of the blocks and uh, not having film on him, I think uh, I would have probably picked the Jaguars to win that game. Week Two. We could film the study. I'm picking the Broncos. Mm, I like that, Mace. Next one coming in from Ohio Bronco. Alex, is it me or do the Broncos have the better defense in all 17 games this year? Sheesh, the offense just need to score 21 points a game, and we are looking at a mm. great year. Okay, Mace, let me go through the schedule. I'm going to read you every team, and you tell me if the Broncos have a better defense than them. The Giants. Better, but not by as much as people think. Jags better. Definitely jets better. Definitely Baltimore. Um, based on his, on multi-year performance level, I'm taking the Ravens Pittsburgh. Mm, Push Raiders Broncos Browns push Washington football team. Ooh, that's interesting because Washington's got a great pass rush. Of course, you did yeah. get Ronald Darby from them. Uh, I think that's an, uh, that, that's another one that's probably a push. Cowboys. Broncos. Philadelphia. Broncos. Bye week. I'll go Broncos. <laughs> Broncos. Chargers. Broncos. Chiefs. Broncos. Lions. You can actually just do the rest of the schedule and say Broncos better defense down the okay, stretch. So they're better defense than Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, uh-huh. Chiefs. Yeah. And yeah, Mace, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, man, I like the Broncos defense more than Washington's as in totality, but Mace, their pass rush is oh. so freaking scary. I mean, that is something where that could that could make the rest of their defense elite if if that pass rush is elite and pretty much everywhere else I agree with you I think there's some pushes um you know I'll, I'll go I'll go a push for Baltimore instead but so I agree with Bronco uh Alex that there's no defense that's clearly better than the Broncos uh so I, I'm right there with you although you know in some of these games the the Broncos defense won't be able to hold teams like the right. Chiefs to 21 points and there's also some high flying offenses in here so the Broncos defense holding a team to 24 points holding the Chargers to 24 points even holding the Raiders to 24 points is a success for the Broncos and if you're only putting up 22 points where well, you're going to lose those games right and i thought that's a great point that's what i was going to get into uh, i don't i don't want to hear about 21 points 21 points isn't going to be enough you've got this team needs to be averaging uh, 25 points a game that that should be the goal 25 times 17 
425 points. Or if you want to just say a notch below and a number to remember, 420. <laughs> 420. Yep. A Colorado team, the Denver Broncos, needs to score 420 points. And that I think that is going to be a magic number that if they hit it, they should be a team that wins at least nine games. If they don't hit 420, then it's probably going to be a sad ending, missing the playoffs by a game or two. So uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, mean, I don't see 21. I don't see 21 is enough. And last year, weren't they right around 20 points per game? So, I mean, those extra four points are a massive difference. And, and the Broncos were better scoring wise uh, than they had been in, in previous years. Remember? So last year they were at 20.2 the previous year, 17.6. And then, <laughs> They were at uh, tw- they were a bit better twenty point six back in twenty eighteen, but then eighteen point one in twenty seventeen. So they haven't even gotten to twenty one points. But I think they they need to take a bigger leap. That if, if they if they score tw- if they score twenty one points a game, then and that's it. They're winning seven or eight games. That's at, that's it at most. I, yeah. I think Mason also, I think you're going to see major changes, maybe even all the way up to head coach. Uh, certainly you're going to see major changes at the quarterback position uh, because I don't think that means Aaron Rodgers is here. If they're scoring 21 points and that'll mean the drew lock and or Teddy Bridgewater did not do enough. Exactly. And uh, that's, that's, that's frustrating, but uh, we got it. Uh, I, I love your comment, Ohio Bronco Alex, but uh Let's set our standards higher than 21 points. So let's think of it. Like I said, 420 for this season, 420. That's where you want to be. Mark IT snacks. Hey guys, who's that one Seahawk who would have been great in orange and blue, but just gets under your skin. Well, I love this because I answered it yesterday and, and I can't uh, turn my answer around anyway. So I got to go Richard Sherman. I mean, he is just a guy that absolutely got under my skin. So props for him. He was really good at doing that. Uh, just running his mouth and, you know, rightfully so some of the time, but it got under my skin, especially after Super Bowl 48. And, uh, you know, if he's on your team, though, you absolutely love that trash talk and you love the way he plays the game. Yeah. Um, the trash talk never bothered me. And you know what? He backed it up. So <laughs> it's did, funny. I bothered me. I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just not really bothered by a lot of players and what they do on other teams. I, I'm it's kind of weird. I mean, because like a guy who bothers me is Brian Bosworth going way back, but I wouldn't have wanted him on my team as it turned out, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. And uh, he was a bit of a braggadocio like Philip Rivers. Yeah, that's a guy who I could see why he bothered people. But I'm like, but I always thought it was just kind of fun. So maybe I'm the wrong guy to kind of ask about this. Let's just say that of the C- of all the Seahawks, the guy that he doesn't bother me anyway. But the one that I wish that they had was Russell Wilson. And well, you got to lie and say how he bothers you because of course the Broncos want Russell Wilson. That's not the answer. There. That's not the question. Well, what bothers me, it's not that Russell Wilson bothers me. What bothers me is that uh, the Bronco, the only reason the Broncos didn't draft him was height. And that's something that Jack Del Rio alluded to a couple of years ago on a podcast with Adam Schefter said how much they loved him, but they were worried that he was, that he was too short. And I'm just thinking, Oh God, why, why was that the deal breaker? Why, you know, there, why wasn't another factor a deal breaker? You know, Brock Osweiler, why wasn't his weird delivery a deal, deal breaker? 
No, Russell Wilson's height was a deal breaker. Yeah. Oh, God. That is, that Tell, is frustrating. It tells you what, that they were looking at the wrong things at the quarterback position. Yep. Yep, exactly. Next yeah. one coming in from the Mud Dogs. Fellas, am I the only one who doesn't like seeing players use number 30 and number 24? We never see anyone using seven. Granted, I like Lindsay using it after ta- talking with TD, though. And then, so so we'll get to that first really quick. Um, well, number seven is retired. That's why no one uh, ever wears it. No one ever will. Number 30 and 24 aren't retired. And Mace, does it bother you that they aren't? Bothers me on 24, doesn't bother me on 30. And with all respect to Terrell Davis, in kind of just thinking what should the standard be for retiring a jersey, it needs to be high and higher than just Hall of Fame. And the Broncos in their history have had two guys be first ballot Hall of Famers primarily based on their accomplishments as Broncos, and that's Champ Bailey and John Elway. You already retired John Elway's number. Floyd Little and Frank Tapuka, you're, you're grandfathering them because they because you're not going to unretire numbers. All right. So I think going forward, that's a really good standard to have is players who got in the Hall of Fame primarily on what they did as Broncos and were first ballot selections. So ba- basically the very best of the best. And that allows you to kind of say, all right, since uh, since 19. 19- 76 the only two guys to play for the team that were first ballot hall of famers based primarily on what they did as broncos were elway and champ bailey there you go 724 it's something that should be rare and then hopefully we're talking about von miller down the line being the next one who gets in and then retiring 58 but it's something that you do every once in a great while and and even more so even more rare than just having a hall of fame player if you did it for every hall of fame player eventually zach you'd you'd be sitting you'd be looking at 10 12 numbers retired and that's just going to be a little bit much yeah i totally agree with you there mace uh i i love that i love that if you're a first ballot hall of famer that your number should be retired. And I know you're saying that if you primarily did that with uh, with the Broncos, then you should be it. But, hey, I'm all about 18 being retired for Peyton himself because, I mean, he maybe had a Hall of Fame career just what he did with the Broncos. Um, so, but, yeah, it, it, you can't just do everyone. But I understand why, why people wearing 30 and 24 would upset some people. Yeah, I, I get that. And I, I think also with 30, 27 is a number. Um, that people mm-hmm. that people would like to see try. And I hear 84 as well. Um, I would have been quicker to take numbers out of circulation if it had been up to me. And uh, like 24 has been mostly out of circulation, except for that really dumb, stupid uh, decision to uh, allow Pac-Man Jones to to wear it. And of course, Champ did give his blessing, but Champ should have been. It shouldn't have been asked. It never should have been on the table. It should have been no nope, yeah. 24 is out of circulation. You're not getting it. Go find another number. Shouldn't it should never have come <laughs> up for debate. I, just like um, with all respect to Jerry Rice, when he went to Seattle, he never should have worn 80. That was Steve Largent's number. Now it actually came up. Someone told me on Twitter that the Broncos should have let Jerry Rice wear number 80. I'm like, are you kidding me? Rod Smith had worn that number for a decade at that point. <laughs> And he's the leading receiver in franchise history. He was on roster right then and there. That, I mean, I, I think uh, Jerry Rice did the right thing, not asking for a uh, number 80. And 
that would have ticked a lot of people off if, if they had, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, n- numbers. It, it's fun. But I, I think with, uh, with, with 24, you only had the one person wearing it. We've seen enough guys wear 30 and 27 to where it might be a little bit too late to retire those. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Mace. Yeah. And then Mud Dog goes on and says, also, does DNVR organize any fantasy football leagues? I doubt I would have been able to pick up Javante Williams in my rookie draft for Dynasty at with the fifth pick, but a, with a bunch of Broncos fans, yeah, probably not Mud Dogs. Um, and yeah, we typically do do a uh, a fantasy league or two, so make sure to stay tuned. We'll see if uh, if we get a big one going up this year again. A fantasy football would be fun. Maybe I'll have have time to join you all this year on that. In the last few years, fantasy football has been something I've cut out of my life, and I and I would say, uh, uh, I there's no guarantee I'm going to be able to be involved with it. It's funny how things when you become a change when you become a parent, and fantasy football is one of those things that I was sat that was sacrificed on the altar of parenthood for me over the last few years. But maybe uh, Charlotte getting a little bit older, maybe I'll get back into it. Love to hear it, Mace. Next one from Casper. Fellas, let's say Roger does become a Bronco. If the team performs similar to the Manning years, one Super Bowl win, two AFC championship wins, multiple division wins, averaging 12 to 14 wins per year, where does that put Vic Fangio's legacy? Ooh, well, I mean, are we talking about the team winning it on Vic Fangio's watch? Are we talking about the team doing well but having to bring in another coach to finish it? Let's say for this, all of this is under his his watch. Oh, he's a ring of famer. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean he he's the what the second or third best coach with, with Gary Kubiak's long history with the team. Uh, Vic's probably the third best coach in, in uh, franchise history. Yeah, you're probably talking about him being behind only Mike Shanahan and in uh, Gary Kubiak, and then uh, it's a question of uh, where you put him compared with Red Miller, for example. Now. The thing is, unfortunately, Vic may not get as much credit because people may say, well, a team really wasn't much good before Aaron Rodgers came in and look what happened. Whereas with Red Miller, he took the team to a place that had never been before. So it would actually be an interesting debate, I think, between Vic and Red for third best coach in Bronco history. The the thing that uh, Vic would have would be the ring on his finger. And of course, with Red... Broncos couldn't quite get over the top and uh, lost in Super Bowl 12. But you would also say that with all respect to uh, Craig Morton, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, good question there, Casper. Yeah. I love that. Optimistic Danimal- question. I like it. Yes, seriously. I love that. The Danimal says, not sure if anyone pays attention to what goes on behind the scenes at Dove Valley, but that new intern we hired has a heck of an arm. Just watch him deliver mail. Maybe we don't need a Ron guy after all. Just saying, we got this Peyton fella on in the intern pay scale and we are set. Danimal. Oh, Whoa. now wouldn't that be something? I am all for bringing Peyton back. I noticed that the new intern didn't take a hit and mm, well, just thinking about that intern taking a hit makes me a little bit frightened for him. I think, I, I think I'm content with a new intern just handling his roles, in, <laughs> including being a, a sounding board for whoever the quarterback is. Mm, yes, I would totally agree with that man. Mace, 
Peyton just never leaves the Broncos. I love how he just stays in touch with them and does all these things. That video last night that they did was fantastic. And I just love seeing Peyton involved in any and everything Broncos. I do, but it was actually really interesting. Like I liked the video. I thought it was really good, but the schedule part of it was just an afterthought. Yeah, so, I mean, was. that was the interesting, like, like most of the, of the schedule videos, it's about, you have the thing like where you have the opponents, right. And uh, yeah. uh, you, you have them flash up. The only, the only thing you got on who you were playing was the piece of paper coming in on the printer at the end. And I'm like, I'm trying to read this. I'm like, okay. I mean, I knew what the schedule was, so I didn't need to see it, but it was just like, it was good. I just, I, I just don't think it really kind of hit the, the heart of it, which is telling you what the opponent, what the opponents are and when they're happening and when the games are happening. So I mean, I mean I, it really was a, yeah. uh, a Peyton Manning video with the side of schedule. Right. That's what it was. And uh, that's fine. But I think uh, if, if we're going to, I can't really rate it against the other schedule videos I, I love the, the Chargers one a couple years ago where they did the stock footage and like for the Broncos, it was somebody with a horse and that sort of thing. And they, and they had some fun with that. Like I thought, I thought it was a great video. I just don't think it was a great schedule video. Does that make any sense? Right. Yes. Yes. That, that makes a ton of sense. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So that's my, that's my critique of it. I'm probably expecting too much here, but uh, I'm like, you could have done that anytime. Right, exactly. They could have done it any time, but hey, I'll still take it. I just and give me Peyton with anything. Yeah, that's true. Give you Peyton with anything, and uh, as I see Ronald Acuna Jr. hit a leadoff home run for my Braves, give me Ronald Acuna Jr. with with everything. I think <laughs> I think I see. I, I think the the way I can I, I can tell you about how I feel about Ronald Acuna Jr. is that this is the way you, the Bronco fan listener, feels about John Elway or Peyton Manning. That's how I feel about my guy, Acuna. Wow. Yeah, then he definitely is your guy. Stirs stirs my soul to watch him play. Let's get him in a uh, schedule (laughs) release video. (laughs) And we got a question coming in from Drew for QB. And it's no question. He just says, I'm already buying tickets for the Broncos-Eagles game. Can't wait to come out there. Well, you're getting a chance to heckle Joe Flacco. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> my, that's one of my bold predictions. Joe Flacco is starting for the Eagles by then, and Broncos fans will make his return that day a veritable hell. Oh, man. Broncos fans will love to do that. That is for sure. And, man, Drew, for QB, you may be getting to see the Broncos have the most dominant performance of the season going up against those Eagles. Yeah, unless, of course, they – uh Oh, they have a bad day and then get and then get upset and then and then uh, uh that would be upsetting that's for oh, sure oh if it look the other thing is we've talked about some different possibilities on this podcast and yes I, we both agree, addressed the possibility of a slow start despite the despite the the schedule seeming set up for a fast start quite frankly if the if the team starts slow and continues to struggle and they lost that game to the Eagles and went to the bye, uh, say three and seven or something like that. Uh, God forbid. I really hope not. Oh, me too. I really if, hope not. That would be brutal. But if they went into the bye three and seven and they've just lost to the Eagles, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see a staff change somewhere. Maybe not the head coach, but maybe a, maybe a coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some shuffling of the deck after that. Yeah, I totally agree, Mason. Last one coming in from Steve is the worst. Sup, y'all. I was wondering what was the first game you guys attended for the Broncos? Bucks for Mace, of course. Just curious because I'm passing up the opportunity to see the Broncos for the first time when they're in New York playing the Giants. Something just tells me there's no greater feeling than watching your team come out of the tunnel for the first time with a home crowd, and I don't want to spoil it. Plus, I need to save money so I can sit closer, LOL. P.S. Let's go, Avs. Let's get the President's Trophy. Yes, right on Steve is where they can get that uh, just before the playoffs. Yep. And uh, I think that's a good point. Like seeing your team come out on the field. My first Bucks game was a preseason game against Cincinnati in 1987, right after we moved to Tampa and I'd adopted the Bucks then. And that was a pretty big thrill. So how about you, Zach? Yeah, mine was uh, in middle school. My uh, my brother, who had season tickets and now still has season tickets, uh, brought me sitting in the South stands for a cold game. Man, it just a just a blast, and been to a couple of snow games as well, sitting outside. That I think is the best football weather. Even to be in the stands it isn't necessarily the freezing cold, but it's snow. It's it's something special. Yeah, exactly. Before we go, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor one more time, MSU Denver, because they are the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to -to face-to-face courses, which is unheard of at other universities, but MSU Denver delivers. They have great gen eds taught by real people, great completion options, full programs, and the virtual services to keep you healthy and happy on your way to graduation. They're the preeminent online university in the Rocky Mountain region. Whether you're online or on campus, it's all the same to them. Their students do just as well in their online courses as they do in person, which means you get the exact same degree while continuing to live your life. So make sure to check them out over at MSU Denver online. And Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. And I've got a special treat for you on our way out. Pleasure Horse is dropping a new song, Autumn Beach tomorrow and they've given us the exclusive today so enjoy these sweet tunes we'll be with you tomorrow on youtube going live in the morning to talk with romy bean on three ring circus to preview the broncos and what their record's going to be so please tune in to us drop us your comments on the live pod tomorrow and we will talk to you tomorrow on the dnvr broncos podcast pleasure horse take us out Yeah.
Again on me 